0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org.
1: Well, welcome to the show, PC. We have a great service. You know what? I feel like I'm going
0: to split my pants sitting like this.
1: (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Being that the disco funk was engineered in your huge brain, please talk about what disco funk means. Man, disco funk. I
0: love disco funk. How, how many grew up in the 70s? I can't. Can we bring the house lights up just a little bit and we can bring the music down. That'd be great. All right. Who, who again? Who, who? Where are my disco people? You should have been up here dancing and grouping with us.
1: So. Paul there. is
0: ready. Yes. Nice. nice. Hey, Paul's on our show next week. Awesome. I can't wait, I can't wait to tune in. That's next Sunday. So, <laughs> Awesome. If we can bring the music out, that'd be great. If we can cut that. If we can cut the music, that'd be just awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, disco funk to me means, uh, it, you know, we like to, uh, I suppose, get funky like a brass monkey. That's like 90s, isn't it? I think. So um, I, I for me, disco fun. funk means a lot. You know, it's, it's, you know, the peace era and really just good times and great clothing. I mean, honestly, that's what has to do a lot. Bling, I mean, you got the bling going, you know, and uh, sunglasses Whoa. that actually make it brighter. I mean, these are great, man. So disco funk is all about the fun, man. It's all about
1: that. So, and on New Year's Eve, what better way right? to have right. church, right? Absolutely, man. I can promise you not many I... churches are doing this this morning. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Most churches aren't doing this, I don't think.
0: I know. They're, they're missing out, man. They're so missing out.
1: We put the fun in funky, okay?
0: That's right. That's that, right. That's all I'm saying. You have to articulate that word.
1: Yes. Funk. F-U-N-K. <laughs> Let everyone be known. It is funk. It's a okay? funky
0: service today. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
1: Well, it is a, our third sermon of the. Is it okay
0: to have fun in church? Can we do this? Is that all right? Okay. Come, come on. Let's give God some glory. Come on. Come on. We need, we need, come on, come on, let's, we're partying tonight, let's give him some glory. Let's come
1: on. go.
0: Come on, is that the best you got? Let's give God our best. Come on. It's come cold, on, man.
1: There. everyone's been inside. I know. So we just, we just, we just got to get it out. Do
0: you realize it's a 90 degree difference in temperature from inside to outside right now? I believe that. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. It's, it's awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for letting me come on your show. PC, it's been good, man. Dude, it's yeah. our
1: third episode of the Ferrisectomy series. Yes,
0: yes. Who's enjoyed Ferrisectomy?
1: Two people. Two people. Yes, sweet. Two people. Yeah, we got two. Awesome. Yeah, two people. It's get... been great, but it's, our hard work is paying off, man. <laughs> it's right. It's paying that's off. right.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Well, in disco funk, it's all about being funky. It's all about the music, and so we're going to talk about worship today. So, if it's okay with you, I'm going to interview you. You cool with that?
0: Do I have a choice? No. And I'm, I'm great with you. You don't have man. a choice. That's cool. Let's I call your shots. All right, let's do it. Today do anyway. It. Today. Can't wait till the office on Tuesday, my friend.
1: All right. First question. It's good to be funky. It's good to, it's, it's good to worship, right? Yes, my cool cat. It's psychedelic. Well, is there... When you come to a worship service at the bridge, what should you expect to get out of a worship service?
0: Oh my goodness, that is a good question. What should you get out of a worship service? I I really can't see all those. Um,
1: What
0: what you should expect to get out of worship service? That's a great question. I think a lot of times I have seen in the past a lot of people that come into a worship service, not quite as insane and nerdy and crazy as this, but they come in and they go, man, I want to be in a church service. I want to be in something where, where I get fed. In fact, I'm sure I've even said that, where I go, I want, I want to go to a church service where, where I get fed where something really feeds me, you know, talking about, about worship, and I think when I look at that holistically, I think, man, um, I, I want to know, you know, is the message deep enough we've heard, or is, it, is the, you know, is the worship, is it good enough, is it, um, you know, did people greet me on the way in, you know, and, and kudos to our waving team today out in the parking lot, Woo! come on. We did not make them do that, just FYI. And uh, I I think when when you say, you know, what should I expect coming into a worship service? This, probably not. um, But I would say, what you should expect is this. And and this is what we're talking about worship today. Really, when you come in, you should expect nothing. Ah, What do you mean? What do you mean? I think what happens a lot of times is when we have this expectation in worship, where we go, man, I want to get something out of it, then... Who are we really worshiping in that? You know, are we really, are we giving it away to our creator or are we saying we want the glory for ourselves? And I think if we come in with this expectation that it's all God's, it's all for him, everything that I'm doing, then it changes the whole thing. Because if I come in that and, and it's going, man, our, our mind needs being met today, then all of a sudden it's not really worship, it becomes this selfish act. And I know that's that's countercultural to what we are and who we are in our, our day and age because we want the best worship. We want to have you know great messages. We want to have fun. We want to make sure people are greeted, We want to have all of that. And that's important. I'm not saying we don't do those things, but I think when it comes into a worship service, we should expect nothing. We should be coming to bring something. We should be coming to offer something to God. In fact, there's two scriptures. This first one here, I'll put up. It's Revelation chapter five, verse two. It says this. It says, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb. Now, if you don't know, I don't know my my funky dude. Um, I don't know, BG, if you know really what the lamb is, but lamb is just representative of Christ, you know, and he was the lamb slain for us. And so this is, you know, really talking about him who died on the cross for us. So this is what he had done. This is what Jesus did. He did all of his work on the cross. And so we come into a worship setting going, I'm going to worship him for what he did. But then there's a second part. If you go to this next verse, just a few verses down in Revelation, verse 9, it says this. It says, you are worthy for you were slain and have redeemed us. And so not only did he die on the cross, but he was worthy even before this, okay? Even before he gave his life on the cross. So not only do we come bringing something for him for what he did, but also just for who he is, you know? And that's who Jesus is. And so if the focus in church is on Chris rather than Christ. And for me, it's one letter, dude. And, uh, and oh. so I have to focus on Christ. If it's about Chris, it's wrong. And that Christ has no part in that. And so if I, if I blame, you know, the pastor, or if I blame, you know, the worship leader, or if I blame, you know, the, somebody got this wrong, or if I, if I say, man, I just, I couldn't get into worship today because I was just, it the just fog wasn't machines good were enough. Out of fog Right. Yeah,
1: right. The fog machines were out of fog.
0: If the fog machines were out of fog, you know, any of that, then... I'm basing my quality of worship not on Christ anymore. I'm basing the quality of my worship and what I'm bringing to Him based on externals that really don't matter. And so I would say, I decide whether or not I will worship. And so, worshiping is coming in and not just musically, but it's having my heart aligned with what God wants to do and what I want to do for Him. Again, so I expect nothing. That's, you know, to answer your question, I expect nothing, but I'm there to bring Him something.
1: Good. Well, you've... You've referenced two, t- two things from the good book. Of known it is as, a good book. It's a good book. A the BG's biography? Close. Oh, which one? That's, oh, the Bible. Th- that's the second best yes. book. Yes. The first best book is the Bible. So speaking of the good book, what is a biblical view of worship? That's a great question,
0: man. It's a great question. I know. I made it. Actually I, actually, I did, and I fed it to you, and I put it on your notes. But that's cool. Um, it's all the same. It's all the same. What is a biblical worldview of worship? Um, A biblical view of worship is really this. I think a lot of times we get so inclined in our our day and age where we just say worship is just the, you know, the 15-20 minutes on a Sunday morning that we spend just worshiping God musically. And that's so much more than that. You know, worship, it's not a noun, it's a verb, okay? And it's an action word. For those of you that are out of school on Christmas break, a verb is an action word. And, uh, Um, And so what it means is we bring something, we do something for God, and not just at the one hour Sunday morning on December 31st. That's not it. This is a constant lifestyle thing. And so worship is really me, and we define this as our worship team, worship is glorifying God to to what he deserves, giving God the glory he deserves all the time, like all the time throughout my life. And so every action I do, is it glorifying God in my life? Am Am I doing that? And so, worship, it's something, and here's the catch, you know, again, what do you expect coming into worship? Your first question, nothing, because worship, I think we got it wrong, guys, sometimes in today, and so here's the whole pharasectomy part, worship is something that we do, worship is not something that's done to us, okay? Think about that for a moment. Worship is something we do, it's not something that's done to us. How many have ever said this, don't raise your hand, because I've been there too, but how many of us have ever said, man, can you feel the Holy Spirit just moving, you know, I've said that before, and, and I look in my Bible, and I don't see that anywhere. What I see in my word, it says, what we, what we really should say is, does God know that I am calling out for his spirit? Does God know that I am here for him, not the other way around? You know, and even, even in the worst of circumstances, we should be able to worship. You talk about a biblical view of worship. I think of the Apostle Paul. You know, so many things happened to him. He was shipwrecked. All, all these different things happened. And Paul had, you know, yet he still joyfully worshipped. And he still joyfully worshipped even to the point where the Holy Spirit did do the miraculous. Released him from prison. Released people with him. You know, saw people come to Christ because of what he did. Now, was that worship something done for him? In a roundabout way, but he was really offering it to God in the first place. And so that's, that's the first part. The second part is, I think in our day and age today, what we like to do is we actually we end up, rather than worshiping our creator, we end up worshiping the worship. You know, we go and we pick out our our Hillsong CDs or our, you know, MP3s or the things that we really like on Spotify. We have a whole Hillsong United or Hillsong Young and Free channel or, you know, if you're, you know, I don't know, maybe you like somebody else. And we sit to that. But I think what happens is we get so enwrapped into our own way of worship that we're actually worshiping the worship rather than, all right, God, whatever comes on the radio, I'm gonna worship you too every day, not just musically as well. You know, the, the Pharisee, talking about pharisectomy, the Pharisee says, Well, I can't worship because the music is too loud. Or the Pharisee says, I can't worship because the music is too soft. Or I can't worship because I didn't hear enough bass today. Or I can't worship because the sermon wasn't good enough. Or the kids were too loud during service. Or they weren't loud enough. Or, you know, I can only worship in a church with stained glass. You're going know, to have a problem here. Um, The the only thing, the only thing that I believe when it comes to a biblical worldview of worship, the only thing that God is looking for is I think he's looking for empty vessels, okay? But here's why. I think we go, well, we're looking for empty vessels because God wants to fill them. That's incorrect. God does want to fill your empty vessel, but the only reason we should have an empty vessel, we're vessels, the only reason it should be emptied is because for worship, we've poured it out for him, Okay? Now he will refill that, but worship is the first part. It's the pouring out. It's the giving onto him. It's not expecting anything. I think so.
1: That's why you're PC, man. <laughs> that's right.
0: And your B, BG, Big Grace, man, Big Grace.
1: Sometimes Huge grace. worshiping God can seem a little strange, right? Like he's he's an infinite, all powerful God, and sometimes we come into churches and people are raising their hands, and it seems a little goofy touch on that. Like, why do we worship God?
0: That's a great question. I, I, let me just talk to the visitor for a moment. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we don't dress like this every week, just every other. And uh, um, when, when I first came into a church like ours, and people were raising their hands during worship, and they were clapping, and, you know, we called it the Happy Clappy Church, and I'm going, what, you know, well, why do we do that? Why? You know, and I've been in other churches where it's like, is it a funeral? <laughs> you know, like, what's happening? And, and really, we should be able to worship in either case. But it is strange when we look at worship that way. You know, why, why, do, we, why do we do it? Why do we worship? Because sometimes, you know, back to the visitor, when I've come through and I saw that happening, I thought, these people actually like what they're doing. They're enjoying doing this, but it wasn't for their benefit. It was a selfless act of pouring out again. And so I think it's strange because I often picture God like he's this you know, father way out in the distance up on a big mountain away that I couldn't touch. And I realized that's so incorrect because it says he's Emmanuel, which means he's God with us all the time. And so if he's with us all the time, we should be worshiping him all the time, all the time. And so, you know, you might say, well, what about God who came as an infant? You know, we celebrated Christmas recently. And how about our Christmas service? Did you guys have fun, wasn't that amazing? Come on, our team did a great job. And, uh, you know, during that time, He came in humility, but yet he's the king of kings, and so sometimes it's hard for us to realize we are paying homage or we're paying, you know, worship to this creator, but we do it out of our heart, and here's why. In fact, this verse I want to put up here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says this, he says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So it's a little funky there, okay? What he's really saying is he's saying, if you hold up a mirror, you can actually see the glory of God within yourself are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And so in other words, just it's, it's kind of a big theological uh, piece of scripture here, but what it's really saying is, it says, whatever or whomever you worship, you actually become like. And so again, we want to expect nothing, but as we worship throughout our week, whether we do family devotions, or personal devotions, or read scripture, every time that we do that, that's a form of worship, and God is making us more like him.
1: You're a wise man. That's
0: right, you remember that. Wait, I heard wise is just another word for old this morning. Is that true?
1: Next question.
0: I see, I see.
1: So a balance of worship, right? We love our balance. Balance is a good thing. Do you just worship at church? Do you just worship at home? Do you just worship at your kids' t-ball games? Where do you worship?
0: Yeah, you know, again, we touched on this a little bit, but worship is a sacrifice, you know, and it's something that's to be poured out all the time. And what's interesting is we think worship, you know, we talked, and we just talked about it, worship should be done all the time outside of church, but then within our Christian mind, if you've been a Christ follower for a long time, we think worship still has to be done in like a Christian setting, can worship happen at a bar? Can worship happen, you know, out in the car where you're talking to two guys that have a different worldview than you have? Yeah, can happen anywhere, anytime, in any setting. And so what I think we have to realize is what, at what cost do we worship? Because worship is not free. Worship is costly, okay? Worship is a sacrificial thing. And so um, when we come together, you know, if, if our worship to God costs nothing, we're giving him nothing. If our worship is sacrificial, okay, then, then we are giving it all to him. So if our worship bears no sacrifice, it's not
1: really worship at all. Whew. That's a good one. That hit me right in the, Hit me right in the feels. The honey nut filios. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you pointed it here, bro. Thank you. All right. Thank
1: you. I, some people got it. Some people didn't. <laughs> okay, so some people like the upbeat songs like what we did today. Some people like the Lecrae, Lee, all that good stuff. But some people like the more kind of slow-moving, uh, melodic type stuff.
0: What, what's a good mix? Well, let's do this. So, so you're here this morning, and, and whether you like worship music or if you like more rocky, edgier music, just, just by round of applause if that's you, just clap your hands right now, would you? Okay. All right, all right. Now, if you like, if you're like, you know what, I just really like more melodic. I like the, the spirit filled stuff where it's just passionate, you know, and whether it's worship or even stuff that you listen on the radio, if that's you, clap your hands. Yeah. So, right now, we're about half and half, okay? And what's interesting about this to me is this, you guys played right into my hand. Um, we've got to be really careful here. We've got to be so careful because, again, we might end up worshiping the worship go back with me just a couple weeks to the first set of pharisectomy. We looked at how in the church there's these different elements of fellowship, of discipleship, of prayer, and of worship, and evangelism, and, and really we all have a bend towards one. And if you remember what we called that, we called that our pet purpose, right? And we called that our pet purpose. We all have that, and, and it's the same in worship. You know, half of us right now say, man, I like the rocker, I like the your stuff, and some of you are like, you know what? Man, this morning, I'm glad they did those, but I really missed having more melodic, you know, just Holy Spirit filled, and sometimes we call that harp and bowl, and uh, we're going to learn about that more on our worship night coming up in January on on the 20th. Um, But we have to be careful to realize that our pet, we don't want it to be a rabid pet again and like start destroying the other pets of, you know, if your pet likes, you like the good, you know, rocking, strong music, or you like the light, melodic, there's probably a reason why, in the same way with those other elements um, that we talked about a couple weeks ago in church, stuff's probably happened in your life where you're at right now. You're probably going, you know what, I just really need, I just need right now to just soak in God's presence. I just need to shut everything off, and I just need to receive. Now again, you, to say, well, you said not to expect anything. You're not. Your giving unto Christ and soaking with him is something you're receiving, Okay. Don't go in there with the expectation of going, it's all about me. But he will, when it's all about him, he will fill that void. And then there's some of us that are like, man, life is good. I just want to praise him. I want to storm the gates of hell. We're going to take this city. And, and you're probably be like, you're kind of sounding like yourself right now. That's me. And so you have this balance of music that goes on within a church. And so um, just speaking on the music element right now, we've got to be careful um, to have that balance, and really to lead and, and have our, our pastors and our leaders go, what, what is God doing within um, the hearts of our congregation right now? And so, um, again, it's not about us. Now, I have a friend of mine, some of you know him, uh, Pastor Charlie Curtis, and Charlie and I talked for hours on this, and we said, how do you balance between praise and worship? And he led worship. Uh, in fact, he, when I came to church the first time as a visitor, you know, people were rocking out, and I was like, you can have drums in the church? I thought drums were satanic, and da da, da all this, and they're not. There's no, that's nowhere in the Bible, by the way. And, and you come in, and, uh, um, you know, I, I saw him playing on his electric guitar, and he's just, he's just jamming out, and I was like, now that's church, you know? And now, there's some people, that they love a traditional service. They love where, you know, they love, I call it the stand-up, sit-down calisthenics of church. I, I don't like that. Now, if you do, there's nothing wrong with that. But what we have to realize, if you're the traditional person, or if you're the more charismatic, free-flowing person, we need to get along. We need to realize one way is not the right way. We need to realize it's God's way and what he wants and what he's calling us to do. So what Charlie would say to me is this. He had this illustration and uh, I, I want to kind of wrap it all up here with this. So this will be just a minute. Is that okay, BG? It's,
1: you got the floor, man.
0: All right. Um, he described praise and worship like this. And just, just follow me for a moment because this, this to me is like the crux of worship in so many elements. I love this. Um, this, is, this is really from him. Um, here's how he would describe praise songs and worship songs to kind of, how do you describe them? How do you make them real in our lives? And this is, I really like what he says. He says, praise is like wine, and worship is like oil. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. What, is that? what does that actually mean? Oh, it's a great saying. I have no idea what it meant today. Church was good. No, let's, let's unpack it and actually realize what it's saying. Praise, okay, like wine, praise is joyful. It's demonstrative. It's exciting, Come on, let's be real here, okay? Some of you are going to have wine or champagne tonight as you bring in the New Year, okay? It's going to be just a fun night. You're going to just have a great time, and it's going to be happening after Chicago loses. It's just going to be great, okay? Can I hear amen, Nikki? Um, and, and after that, okay, that, that's, that's praise, though. It's fast. It's upbeat. It's joyful. And when you think about wine, how do you get wine? You know, oh, i got to tell you a little secret. Um... So at North Central, I've never shared this anybody. I could be getting in trouble right now because this is on Facebook Live. Oh, Dr. Anderson? Well. <laughs> he retired. Um, and so, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And uh, one of, we, can't, we couldn't drink. Uh, Derek and I have to sign a covenant that we won't drink with the Assemblies of God. And, uh, um, you know, I have, that's a whole other thing. I have no problem with anyone who does drink. But the, within our doctrine, um, within our doctrinal statement, Um, you know, we have to sign that. And when we go to North Central, it's a very structured school. And so, um, I went over to one of my neighbors who lived off campus, but really close to campus, who didn't sign that covenant. And I walk in and all I smell is like really fermented grapes, like just seriously. And I'm going, what are you guys doing? And I go in the back and, and I forget what they're called. The, is it a wine press? I think, um, they had created their own handmade wine press. They were making wine in their closet at college. <laughs> I'm not going to say who you were, you know. Um, he's one of my good friends to this day, but I thought that was hilarious. Praise is like wine, though. It's, it's this fermentation process, and when it, as a result of wine being stirred, Like wine, it creates this bubbling effect, okay? It can happen, and it's this praise that goes up to God, and it's motivated by celebration, okay? That's why we're doing Disco Funk, just for fun, because it's celebrating what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Come on, has God done anything cool in your life? Can you give him praise if he has? How many want God to do something in your life right now? How many believe God will? Yeah, yeah, he will, he will. and so. Look at this scripture. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. In Exodus, now just to paint the picture, this is when the Israelites are leaving Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They cross the Red Sea, you know, they get across, they look back, and I don't know who the last person was that looked back, but could you just imagine, put yourself in their shoes for a moment, you turn around, and you look back, and you're like, oh no, (laughs) Uh uh-uh, and you're just seeing this, just, you know, just swallow all the Egyptians. And and kills them, and here's what I, I, it's not funny, okay, but it kind of is, and here's why. They stop in Exodus here, later on, you know what they do? They write a praise song about it. Like, you know, if if people that, you know, died, you're not going to write a praise song about it today in our culture. They did. They stopped, and they wrote a praise song about it, and that's because of God's grace, and so this praise song, we read it, and you know, it's like, Old Testament, it's like, oh, it's old, and no, you got to think of this. This was like their This is how they would start their service with this, okay? And so it goes like this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He is hurled into the sea. I love that. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. I mean, just just seriously, put it to like a Bee Gees tune for a moment, you know? I was sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both host and der- I mean, serious, it's like good stuff here, all right? These are, somebody needs to write a new praise song. Praise motivates us to focus on God rather than our circumstances. Look what happened. Look what God just did. He did this incredible miracle, swallows them up and they look back and they're like, it's praise time. It's praise time, you know? It's praise time. Heard the horse into the sea. You know, I was just, come on, man is good stuff. And so praise, what it should do is it should increase our faith. Every time that we're together, it should increase our faith. You know, maybe you're, you're not a happy, clappy person. Maybe you don't like to clap. I encourage you, read your word sometime. There should never be coercion into worship, but clapping of our hands and raising of our hands is biblical act of, it's biblical forms of worship that God actually asks us to do. And so, well, I don't really like to do that. Well, I'm not offended, but Talk to God. Say, God, how can I offer what you want me to through praise? Now, there's worship. Worship on the other side. Praise is like wine, okay? And then worship is like oil. It's like oil. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. It says this. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores. Not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with what? Olive oil. Anybody like olive oil? Not from Popeye, like real olive oil. Okay. Talking 70s, we've got to talk about Popeye. Um, Some of you that are my age or younger, you don't even know who Popeye is. Um, You are, see, and no one even knows the reference there. Um, Oil, though, unlike wine, it's a flowing substance. In fact, within Scripture, if you read through the Old Testament, you look at, you know, what they would do with the oil. They would have vats and vats of oil. And what they would do is when they anointed somebody, when they prayed for somebody, they would take that oil. And, you know, within the church, we have little bottles of oil. We'll, we'll dump a little bit on our finger. We'll make a cross or we'll pray for you if you ask to be prayed for. Um, in the Old Testament, they would actually break the bottle and they would pour it over your entire body. So, just, I mean, go try to take a shower after that. Forget it, you know? Like, you are you are soaked. And the whole reason for that is that you were covered by God's grace. You were completely covered. And so this worship is this pouring out It's this oil, it's flowing, and, uh, you know, nowadays, how many, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you use essential oils nowadays? I know some of you do, I can smell it when you come in, you know, like, you know, some of you use these essential, and some of them, by the way, smell better than others, and uh, we have, we have these oils that we use, but why do we use them? For healing properties, right? For restoration, It's the same concept in the Old Testament. We've come full circle the last 4,000 years back to, oh, look at these can actually have healing properties to them. Now, please hear me out. I'm not saying diss your medical doctor. They're important as well. But these are two. It's associated also within the New Testament with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We read in Joel chapter 2, it says, in the last days, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, I don't want to get into end time stuff, but let me just say this. We are in the end times. How do we know that? Because it says, in the end times, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In Acts chapter 2, we actually read that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. If we go back to Joel chapter 2, it says, in the last days, that will happen. Acts chapter 2 says, it did. So therefore, we know we are living in the last days. We don't know how long, whatever. We're not going to get into that. But at that time, the Holy Spirit says, I will anoint and cover women. I will cover man. I will cover free. I will cover slave. I will cover Greek. I will cover Jew. The anointing is for all. And so every single one of us can receive what's known as the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so worship places an emphasis on God Himself, where praise puts it on what He does. All right? Does that make sense? All right. All right. I have one last thing. Can I share one last thing?
1: Last power minute. Last power minute.
0: Here we go, here we go. Let me just say this about worship. Let me just say this. Worship should be an expression of love, never coerced or forced, okay? I just wanna say this. If you have ever been in an environment, especially a church environment, I just want, on all churches, I wanna apologize because you should never be in a place where you feel coerced into worship because that's not worship. You know, if, if God forced us to worship him, if God forced us to follow him, that's not love, you know? What, what is that? That's kind of a faux 70s, 60s things where it's like peace and a lot of drugs. It's supposed to be free, worship and praise. It's a pouring out of the heart's desire to please God. And let me end with this thought. We're going to sing one more song. Laurie and Meg, if you guys could come on up. What it does is this, worship and praise it helps cultivate true relationship with the Creator. Without worship and without praise, we cannot have a relationship with our Creator. Because the minute that we do something that we're coerced into doing or forced to do, it no longer becomes relationship with God. It's religion. I heard somebody just say, it's religion. Okay? Nobody, I hate religion. Religion's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You know, when I get asked, why well, are you a religious person? I say, no, they look at me like I'm crazy. For them, it's semantics, but for me, it's a relational aspect. Relationship with Christ is what it's all about. Jesus, this has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.